This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, some very important lessons um, to be learned in this week's parasha. We're going to try to cover some of them. The rest of them we'll cover on the Shabbaton. Um, whoever's watching, I'm sorry, but Shabbaton is closed. It's overbooked. It's kukuruku. Um, maybe we'll make another one towards the summer. We'll have two Shabbatons a year. I'm thinking about it. We'll see. Um, okay. Anyway, there were three things that the Jews did not change while they were in Mitzrayim. And that's what kept them from assimilating. Okay, because when you live in a country long enough, you become like them. So they had to protect themselves from assimilating. What were the three things? One, they kept their Jewish names. Okay, so they weren't called Bradley or Mikey. Um... They were called by their Hebrew names, Ruben, Shimon, Levi, Huda, whatever it was. Second thing was their language. They didn't speak Egyptian. They spoke Hebrew. Okay? And the third thing, they didn't get dressed like Egyptians. They got dressed like Jews. What stops a person from assimilating girls? What? Their Your sensitivity? Identity. Yeah, what's what stops what well, you need to know that you're different. You need to know why you stay different. Being different. Being different. So if I don't talk like you, I don't dress like you, and my name's not like your name, I'm different. The problem is the Jewish nation always wants to fit in, so we assimilate. We have English names, we speak English, right? And we get dressed like they do. The Baal Shem Tov, who started Hasidus, followed in that direction. At that time in Europe, there was a lot of assimilation. So, he said, how am I going to stop the Jews from assimilating? Okay, language, Yiddish. Not Polish, not Hungarian, not Czechoslovakian, not Russian, not German. Yiddish. We're going to talk different than they do. Names. Hasidim don't have English names. Yehuda, Yecheskel, Meyer, no Stevie, none of that stuff. They don't have that. And they definitely dress differently than we do. White socks, strimal, payas, a beard. He said, if I could make them look different, feel different, that'll stop them from assimilating. That's why Hasidim, like, if I walked into a movie theater and I took off my yarmulke, well, put out a baseball cap, you don't know that I'm Jewish. But see, she got with a beard and payers and white socks. He can't go into a movie theater. The, the baseball hat ain't going to help. So he's protected from He can't go in there because he looks different. So the, the, people make fun of them that they look different, but no, they look different because they're supposed to look different. And they, they speak a different language and they have different, and their names are different. Because they, they wanted to stop that assimilation. In our world, girls get dressed like, like the guy who get dressed, whatever. Your name could be, you know, Letitia. 
and uh, and you 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 could and you speak English. So how do I know you're Jewish? You dress like them. You talk like them. Your name's like them. Then how do I know that you're Jewish? So that's really why he came up with that whole with that whole thing. Huge, major, super bomb question. Bomb question. Moshe Rabbeinu had seven names. Tuvia, because he was born with a brismila and he was born lit, he was born lit up. Uh, he had a, b- a bunch of a bunch of different names. He had. What's the name that stuck? So Batya, Basparo. Now I have a daughter named Batya. One more rabbi. You named your daughter after the princess of Egypt, a guy. There's a lot of Batyas out there. Any Batyas in this class? I'm sure there's a lot of Batyas. It's actually the Medjish calls her Bisya. But Bisya, Batya, I'm sure you have friends that are Bisya, Batya. Why would you name after a Goyesha princess? So the Medjish says that she knew that her father, who said he was God, does anyone here know how, what Paro's proof was that he was a God? Anyone know? Yeah? He would come to the Nile and it would overflow. He what? He would come to the Nile and it would overflow. No, that over, it didn't overflow. It overflowed when they put Yosef at Tzaddik in the water. He said he didn't have regular needs. He said he didn't have to go to the bathroom. How can a man go 24 hours without going to the bathroom if he's not an angel? So every day, in the morning, very early, he said he had to go pray. The Nile was a god. He had to go pray to the Nile. No one's allowed to go with him. And he, what he had to do with the Nile? Except his daughter, once watched where he was going, and she was like, uh, that ain't no god. That ain't no god. Um, so she knew he wasn't real. So, Put down in the Medrash that when she came down to the Nile River now, in this story, she became she came to become a Jew. And how does a woman become a Jew? Anyone know? How, how does a woman become a Jew? Let's say a non-Jewish woman wants to become a Jew. How does she become a Jew? She goes to the mik. Goes to the mikvah. No, just the mikvah. That's it. Just to say, I want to be a Jew. I want to be a Jew, and then she gets undressed and she goes into the water. So she was actually going to the Nile River to become a Jew. And the major says she became a Jew. And she actually went to the next world alive. And therefore, you can name your daughter Batya or Bisya because you're naming her after a Jewish princess, not a Goyesha princess. But everyone knows the story since you're growing up. She came down, right? And so it's either she came down because she wanted to become a Jew. Or she came down because she had, her father also had this, he had leprosy. You know what that is? You can Google it, it's pretty disgusting. If, you, if you're eating, you shouldn't look at it. It's a disease like, uh, that makes your organs, that makes your organs fall off. They can get that bad. Like your hands, your fingers, it gets swollen, it gets white, it gets, it's terrible. So it, it's a skin, it's skin disease, like psoriasis, but much worse. And, and Paro had this. And they told they told Pyro the only way to cure himself was to bathe in blood. The blood would cure the and he so he used to kill little Jewish kids and bathe in blood. Um, but what are the healing things for this? Is water? 
and she went down, so there's a machlekes, did she go to become a gyeris, or did she go down to the water because she also had the same disease, like her father. Okay? So the Torah tells us, so probably the nicest Dvat Torah I ever heard in my life is in this week's passage, I'm going to tell it to you. But anyway, um, so, so, so Moshe's mother becomes pregnant, and Paro said that any boy born has to be killed, has to be drowned in the, in the Nile, or killed. And how did they find out if, if a Jewish woman gave birth? They would take an Egyptian baby, come into the house, smack him in the tuch, in the, smack him in the rear end, make him cry, and when a baby cries, the other baby that hears it cries. So they would walk in, make the Egyptian baby cry, and then all, wherever they were hiding the Jewish baby, it would start crying. They would take it out and kill it. She gave birth in the sixth month. In the seventh month, actually. Three months early. The beginning of the seventh month. Seventh, eighth, ninth. So they weren't looking, they weren't looking for a baby in the house for three months. Because they, they knew that, she, you know, they figured she's going to go full term. So for three months she was able to have him in the house. But the minute, minute nine months was up, they were going to come looking for him. She had to hide him. So she put him in a basket. A little basket. She made it waterproof. She gave it to Miriam, his sister, to put into the Nile River. And Miriam stood and watched to see what's going to happen with this little baby. Okay? Sort of abandoned. Um, okay? So, she couldn't hide him. And she took a little teva. Now it's interesting. It's not today's... I wish I would have come earlier, but... Um, it was, a teva is an ark. That's where Noah built a teva. She didn't build an ark. It was a little basket. Why do they call it a teva? Why is it called a teva? It's not a teva. It's a basket. So in Sefer Gilgulim, coming back to the world, Rav Chaim Vital says that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of who? Noah. And what was Noah put in? Right. So here, the Torah is telling us that you, you, you know who this little baby is? This is Noah. So it uses the word teva instead of basket, instead of tene. Tene is a basket. Use the word teva. Um, why, do you, why did he have to come back? Why did Noah have to come back? What did he do wrong? He didn't save the world. But who did he save? Himself. Himself and his family. So now, how does Gilgul work, girls? You know how Gilgul works? You come back for the thing you failed last time. Which means that you're going to get the same chance again and hope that you don't fail. Moshe Rabbeinu, when they did the Egel, Klaisel did the Egel, Hashem came to him and said, I'm going to save you and your family. And from you are going to come the Jewish nation, but the Jews I'm going to wipe out because they serve the ego. Same exact thing that happened to Noah. Save you and your family, everyone else gets wiped out. So he said, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, Mocheni no misifracha. If you want to save me, and kill all the Jews, I don't want to be in your Torah. 
erased me from your safer, from your terror. How are you talking to Hashem? What are you saying? If you're going to do that, I'm not having my name in the book anymore. That's it. You don't have, right? Because without Moshe, you don't have Shmos, you have nothing. Are you threatening God? Like, what are you doing? Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, the only reason that I came back into the world was to fix what Noah did. If, if I do what he did again and save my family and not all the Jews, what am, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I made the same mistake. The whole shmos, everything else is wasted. Now, if you take the words mecheni, the word mecheni, mem, ches, nun, yud, what does that spell? Write down mem, write, write on a piece of paper. Mem, ches, nun, yud. Mecheni, erase me. Mei noach. The waters of noach. I'm not going, going through this again. But, as a baby, that's why it says he was put in a teva. And he taka, saved Klai Yisrael. He got Hashem to forgive us, and, and he fixed what Noach did. He knew he was Noah? That's a real question. Yeah. He knew, no. You're not Noah. When, you, when you're a Gilgul, you're not that person, but you have a piece of that person that you need to fix. So he knew that he had to fix that piece of him. Yeah. That was part of him. Now, I didn't tell you the bomb question yet. Okay? So, Batasa Basuf al Svasayar. So she puts him in the, in, in the Nile River. But the Tetzavachosimurachaik, and Miriam stands from afar. She didn't want anyone to know she was watching. The day I might also like to see what's going to happen to my brother. Oh, my brother. Okay, anyway, there's a song like that. But anyway, the Jewish song. But I think it's Marcha uh, ben David. Vatera Basparo lirchutz aliyar. So Basparo came to wash lirchutz to go into the water, either to get rid of her her leprosy, her tzeras, or to become a giyiris. Vinarasel hochus ayadi ar. Every princess has her girls with her. Vatera zateva, and she saw the little boat besechasuf in the middle of the amsuf. What you do? Every little girl knows this. She learns in school. What you do? She stretched out her hand. And it was a miracle. It became like Gumby. It just kept stretching and stretching and stretching until it got to the middle of the Nile and pulled her in. Okay, number one question. Why, why do you have to have a miracle here? Hashem, just bring a wind and the little basket will blow to the shore and she'll pick them up. Her hand has to stretch. Why are you a miracle? Question number one. She opens up this little basket and there is a yeled. A yeled is a little baby boy. But the next word says, And the lad, which is like a 12, 13, 14 year old boy, or older boy, was crying. She had pity on him. This is definitely a Jew. So one before it says she saw that he had a bris. Everyone who's watching, what's the question on that? She said, I know he's a Jew because he has a bris. What's the bomb question on that? The bomb question is that every Egyptian had a bris. Yosef, when he became second to the king, 
made a rule in Egypt that every single person has to have a bris milah. So seeing this baby had a bris milah did not mean it's a Jew. So how did she know it was a Jew? She looked at this kid. She said, oh, that's a Jew. How do you know it's a Jew? You have a bris or what? Every, every guy had a bris. Bomb. That's one bomb question. Okay? Um, second question is, one second. She opens the basket. He's a baby. Who's crying? A nar, a lad. So the Mephoshim say, he didn't cry like a baby. It was not like, it was like, I don't know. It was no baby cry, that's for sure. But the most beautiful Vatira that you'll probably hear in your life is the answer to this question. It wasn't Moshe that was crying. She opened it up and she saw a yelled, a baby. She heard an older boy crying. Who was crying, girls? Aaron. Aaron also came down, Aaron Akoin also came down to see what's going to happen to his brother. And when he saw a guy, princess, take his brother, he knew she's going to take him to the palace, he's going to grow up as a guy, he's going to be totally lost. So he said, oh my God, this is what's going to happen? The princess of Egypt is taking my brother? And he started crying. She turns around. Aaron was two years older than Moshe, I think, two. Turns around and sees this kid crying. Why is he crying? Because an Egyptian lady is taking a Jewish boy. That means that this child has to be a Jew. Because Jews, Jews cry for other Jews. Egyptians don't cry for other Egyptians. So the reason she knew that the baby in the basket was a Jew was because she saw the Jewish brother was crying for him. Jews cry for Jews. Graham don't cry for Graham. So Vihine Na'abaycha is not the baby. It's the brother. Oh, amazing. Beautiful terrace. So that's why I learned from Yela to Na'ar. It's not the same person. And, she, and her mother did not tell Aaron to go follow. She told Miriam to go follow. Aaron did that on his, on his own. Okay, but that's not the question. That's not the question that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm leading up to here. The question that I'm leading up to here is the following. And the young boy grew up. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. And after he was being nursed, who nursed him? Yocheved nursed him because Miriam brought it to his mother. He would not drink from a... He, he, was, he was crying, so, the, so Basparo thought he was hungry. So she tried to nurse him, and it says in the Medrash that one drop of milk, one drop of milk from her landed on his tongue. And he spit it out. And he wouldn't nurse from an Egyptian, he was, so she, he's going to die if he doesn't nurse. So Miriam said, I know a woman, a Jewish woman who just gave birth, so she's, she's nursing so I'll take him there. So she said, okay. So until if he was three years old or whatever it was, that he stopped nursing, she was there. Then she brought her to Basparo. And the Medrash says that the reason in this week's parsha, just to show you, it's not normal, that we know that Paro was told by his stargazers that a Jewish boy is being born who's going to destroy you and destroy Mitzrayim. So, 
he threw all the Jewish boys in the river, but it, the, 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 the star of this Jewish boy was still there. So the advisor said, we think maybe the boy that you are bringing up in the castle that your daughter saved, we think he's the guy. He's the guy that's going to destroy you. So Paul said, well, I can't kill him outright because my daughter will never talk to me again. What should I do? They said, make a test. And if the test shows that, he's going to be the, that he wants to take your kingdom, then you have a right to kill him. He said, what should I do? They said, take your gold crown and put it on the table. Put your gold crown on the table and then take a bowl of hot coals, fiery hot coals, and put that on the table. If he puts his hand in the coals, it means he doesn't want to be the king. You have, to, you have nothing to worry about. He's a stupid kid anyway. Why would you put your hand in the hot coals? He wasn't a baby anymore. He's over three. He's, back. He, he's after being nursed. If he takes the crown, which most kids will take, a gold, shiny, jewelish crown, every kid's going to take that to play with. That can put his hand in the fire. So they set up a test where he's definitely going to make do the wrong thing and then they could kill him. The whole thing was a setup. And Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, was a kid. You put a gold crown with jewels and, and shiny, of course he's going to go for that. He went for it. And the mouth pushed his hand into the fire and he touched the coal and the coal burnt his finger and he put it on his mouth and he burnt his tongue and he couldn't talk. He could never talk again. After that, till he gave, till he, he, he said the first two mitzvahs in the, in the Luchos, he could never talk. So, so um, they asked the question, why did Hashem have to do that? Why did Hashem have to do that? He could have taken the crown and a basketball. In, in other words, why hot coals? Take a crown and a, and a toy and a basketball. He's going to go for the crown and, and then you could kill him. Because he had to burn out that spot that the drop of milk was on his tongue. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was repeating Hashem's Ten Commandments. His, his mouth had to be totally 100% pure. But he had a spot on his tongue that this woman, this non-Jewish woman or whatever, um, this drop of milk ended up on him. I know it wasn't Basparo, it was one of the women. Um, ended up, and therefore that's why it had to be burnt out. Not... Just a basketball or or, or, or a thing. Anyway, um, we're getting to my question. So, he was like a son to her. She loved him, Basparo. And she named him Moshe. Why? Anyone here know why she named him Moshe? What, what high school did you go to? I did a good job. Because I pulled him out of the water. You have no question on that? The whole thing of being Jewish in Mitzrayim was that they didn't take non-Jewish names. Moshe Rabbeinu had seven Jewish names and the Torah and Hashem picked the one that's not Jewish with an Egyptian name. Moshe is an Egyptian name named in Egypt. By Basparo. So that, that's the name you gave him? He had seven Jewish names, and the whole thing in Egypt was not to take a non-Jewish name, and the leader of Israel gets a non-Jewish name? What kind of lesson is that for all of us? Very nice, you took him out of the water, okay. But Tuvi is nice too, he, he had Jewish names. And forever... We call him Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu. We call him Tuvia. Nobody ever called him Tuvia. That's my bomb question. 
Of all his names, they took the Gaisha name. That is a huge question. I think I have an answer. I would love to hear your answer. I will have heart it. I think I'm going to Go ahead, let's hear it. Um, so, the whole thing with the arm stretching out, um, it was, it was, it was literally, the fact it was in the middle of the water, it would have been possible for her to reach it just from there. She couldn't reach it. Yeah, but she tried anyway, and then she got help. So it was like, it's sort of like a lesson to us as, like, try, like, anyway. And that's why he's called by that name. What school did you go to high school? Uh, I went to multiple schools. Multiple, oh. I also went to that school. I went to multiple school. So the answer is what you said, but it's even deeper than that. A person's name is your source. You tell me your name, I know a lot about you before, we, before I even meet you. Because that comes from Shemayim, and you see in the Torah, all 12 tribes, everyone is, everyone's name is for a certain reason. Reuben, Rashid, Oni, everyone, Yaakov is Akev, Yitzchak, Mitzachek, right? So, every, so, so, Moshe Rabbeinu was going to do impossible anti- nature things things that were not physically possible water into blood one frog into a million frogs choshech makas pechoros all of it animals arov um, splitting the amsof so he had to have in his name something that was above nature when she put her hand out normally there's no way she could reach it. Hashem made a miracle because she wanted to help him so much and she couldn't that Hashem made a miracle that it was totally anti-nature, totally anti-teva. He needed to keep that name. Because of what he was going to do later on, he needed to be above nature. So, I pulled him out of the water. A wind didn't blow him to me. That's, in other words, Hashem could have made a wind blow. Very simple. A little wind, a wave, the basket's there. No. No, I pulled him out of the water and it was impossible to pull him out of the water because he was so far away from me. So if I can do that, if I can do the impossible because I cared about someone who was crying, my child, who I'm naming this child, Moshe, is going to have the same power. Just put your arm out. By the way, many times when he did a makkah, or when he split the Yamsuf, what did he do? He outstretched his, hand, his arm. Same thing she did. That's going to be in my book called Spiritual DNA. That whatever you do, gives spiritual DNA to your kids. So she outstretched her hand. If, here, I'll read it to you inside. Look. Many times. Mm-hmm. Lift up your stick and stretch your hand out on the ocean. Exactly what she did. Parent, child, spiritual DNA. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Okay. But also wasn't actually his mother. But we learn from that 
that when you take a child like that you become like the mother where else do you, where else do you see that that adopting a child you really become the, the actual parent we see that also in the Torah somewhere else huh who Shmuel uh, that's not where where I'm thinking is Asnas was Potifera. Asnas was the daughter of Dina. She wasn't the daughter of Potifera. Potifera found her and adopted her, but she wasn't. Why was she called? She should have been called Asnas was Dina. She was called Asnas was Potifera because Potifera raised her. So when you take a child and you raise, many times ask the question: If someone has a, has a, is adopted, do they have to sit shiva? Because it's really not their parent. I think yes. Whatever. It's a, whatever. But. Anyway, I saw a Dvatara today. And we'll end with this Dvatara. It's, a little, it's already time. I'm sorry that it was so short today. But it's a very beautiful Dvatara. I never saw this before. Um, I saw it this morning. So, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes out of... There's so much to talk about. I'm definitely going to speak about a lot of this. Um... So he comes out of the... the so he, he's a prince of Egypt. Like, he's number two. He, he didn't have to suffer with any of the Jewish people. But Yetzel Echav, which is very important, he went out and he felt that the Jews were still his brothers, even though he was, you know, second to the king. He saw their pain, even though he was living in the castle, he saw their pain. He saw a Egyptian, Maka Ish Ivri, beating... A Jewish man, Me'echa from his brothers. He looked both ways. He saw there's no, no one there. He killed the Mitzri. And he hid him in the sand. Which says, he said Hashem's name, Hashem's 72 letter name. The ground opened up and swallowed the Mitzri. So there was no, there was no evidence of what he did. Listen to what I heard this morning. Not normal. This physical and this spiritual. Moshe Rabbeinu saw both. He saw that the Jews were being persecuted physically, and he saw that they were being persecuted spiritually. It's a very Kabbalistic word, and I think it's from the Lubavitcher And he says the following. Mitzri which is Meitzah, which is narrowing, right? That's where it comes from. Is another word for the Satan. For the dark side. Vayar Ish Mitzri. He saw that the dark side, the Satan, Maki Ish Ivri Me'achav. The Ish Ivri is the good side of you. Is the Yetzatayv. The Ish Ivri is the good side. The Ish Mitzri is the bad side. And he saw... That the Ish Mitzri, the physical world, the type of the physical world, was beating up on the spiritual world. It's a, it's a it's a fight that we all have within us, right? But Ethan Kovakov, and he turned backwards and forwards, and he said, "How do I get a person to not allow the physical world?" beat 
his spiritual world. It's to get a person to realize that in the end, no matter what you eat, no matter what you wear, no matter how much money you have, no matter what car you have, no matter what house you have, you come from the dirt and you go to the dirt. You don't take anything with you. So he said that if a person, I think it said, that if a person wants to beat the Ishmitri in him, the Satan who's telling him, no, you gotta buy this, you gotta buy that, the physical world, that's a little important. Vayaki ain't ish, realize that a human being is nothing. Vayakas and Mitri, how do you beat the Mitri? How do you beat the Satan who's telling you, no, the physical world is the most important? Hide him in the sand. Remember that all this stuff that you're fighting for in the physical world is all going to end up bachol. It's all going to be hidden in the, in, the, in the ground. That's where you're going to end up being. And then you'll have a chance to win. That this posse is a whole different... I'll tell you exactly who said it. One second. I should really quote who said it. It might be a Tanya. Hold on. I'll tell you in a minute. One second. I don't want to misquote. I don't want to misquote. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Who said this? Ah. Rav Yaakov Yosef of Polnoy. Look it up in Daily Study, Tanya, Jewish Tanya. Yeah, it's Slavavish. The motion, every generation, gives us the strength to overcome all obstacles and save the Jewish souls. Moshe's actions teach us that when a one sees a Jew in danger of losing the battle between body and soul to his lower physical nature, one must not remain silent and remind him that the physical body ends up in the sand. That's where the mystery ends up and that will bring you to doing tshuva. Now you dick. See you on Shabbos, everyone. Hatzlochem bracha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.